0: Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Morning Worship at Hillhead, wherever we are this morning. Our service will be led by our Minister, Katrina, but we'll also hear the voices of Holly, Anto, Talash, Elham, Esan, Emma and Jeff. And our musicians this morning are Paul and Leo. In a moment or two, Freya and Sarah will light our candle. You'll have noticed that our service this morning will include communion, so please have something ready to eat and drink when we reach that point in the service. Uh, Just note that there will be no Zoom evening service today, but there are two other services that we can attend if we wish. Firstly, you'll have noticed from yesterday's email that at 2pm there will be an interfaith vigil for COP26 in George Square, which will also be live streamed so you can tune in from home. The link to the live stream was in yesterday's email and also details of how to register if you want to go to George Square this afternoon. Secondly, at 7pm, there will be an in-person service of grieving and gratitude in St. John's Renfield Church. This will be socially distanced and COVID safe. This will be another opportunity to remember those we have loved who have died and the service will be led jointly by Katrina and the Reverend Stuart Gillan. So that's the interfaith vigil in George Square and live streamed at 2pm and a service of grieving and gratitude in St John's Renfield Church at 7pm. Then just to note that I'm giving rolling notice of a church meeting at which we will hopefully be able to confirm the in-principle decision that we made at our last meeting. And finally, just a reminder that today is our very last opportunity to make a donation to our Operation Agri Harvest Appeal. You'll find the link to our Just Giving page on the October edition of The Key. And then at the end of today, that page will close. So now it's over to Freya and Sarah to light our candle.
1: As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. And so let's pray together. We come to you, the God who says, I am for you. To the God who says, I am who I am, and I will be who I will be, unbound by time or place, yet present with us here and now and changing in essence, yet attentive to who we are and responsive to our circumstances. We come to you, the Christ who says, I am the resurrection and the life. To the Jesus who says, I am with you to the very end of time. One like us, who has lived among us, experiencing life in all its fullness. And one unlike us, who has been through the mystery of death and now lives the life of eternity. We come to you, the spirit whose voice is heard in stillness and silence. The wisdom that defies logic, the peace beyond all comprehension, uncontrollable, like rushing wind and like gentle breeze, unstoppable, encourage, inspiring, challenging and comforting. We come to you, the God who dances throughout creation, drawing us in to join in, to learn new steps, feel new rhythms, so that in life and in death, we may know ourselves forever held in the safe embrace of your everlasting arms.
2: Amen.
0: We join together in the words of the Lord's Prayer, using whichever language and whichever version feels most comfortable to us. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread,
1: the last few weeks we've been thinking about people who inspire us. We started off looking at those in relatively recent history with Frederick Robarts and Edith Gates and then last week we thought about some more contemporary people, Professor Muthi and Terry Waite and made a couple of other connections. Predominantly this morning we're going to be thinking about those who have gone ahead of us into God's eternal presence. But as a link, we're going to hear briefly from Anto about somebody who inspires her. Thank you, Anto.
3: Good morning, church. Now, of course, I'm probably biased, but to me and hundreds of residents in the Bahamas, my 85-year-old father, Warren Seymour, staunch Christian and former catechist, is an inspirational living saint to us. Catechist. I remember when I was in primary school, an older sister mentioned that my father had been a catechist at Andros Island, Bahamas, and I had no idea what it was. But it sounded also sophisticated, important, and cute. So my father was recently honored in the Bahamas for his contributions to society in spheres, including chess and other sports. He's known as the father of chess in the Bahamas. Education, he's a former headmaster and a sterling math educator, unionism, church, music, and family life. He was born at T-Bay, Cat Island, Bahamas, the same island of of Sir Sidney Poitier and his forebears. After 60-plus years, he's still married to my mom, another lifetime educator. Daddy introduced all of his seven offspring, five girls in a row, then two boys, one of whom is a pastor at Miami, Florida. He introduced us to classical literature and music, sports, and black consciousness, amongst other important things. There were books, books, books everywhere one turn in our household at New Providence Island to which he and mommy finally settled after moving through the islands as educators. There was also a piano that's still there, but most importantly, the house was infused with love and Christian principles. Daddy was educated at Bahamas Teachers College at Exeter University, where he did literature. And there was a photo um, of him um, that I had sent of him on the basketball team at Exeter. And I recently donated that photograph to the Exeter University um, archives. And he also attended the University of the West Indies, where his um, major was math. He navigated trials and tribulations, including poverty and racism, to touch the country and beyond. He produced scores of chess champions, including chess Olympians like myself, I'm proud to say. Now, I feel my mom is a saint too, but that would be going against instructions. So there you have it. Warren Seymour, my dad, my inspiration. Thank you for allowing me to share.
1: And thank you, Anto, for sharing such a wonderful story about an inspiring man. Baptists don't really do saints, do they? At least not official ones. But I think what we have become begun to re- realise over the last few weeks is that saints with a small s are really important to us. Saints just really means those who believe, those who are trying to follow Jesus. But why on this Sunday, at the end of October, are we marking saints with a small s? Well, in this part of the world, in the British Isles, as they are now known, and possibly into Northern Europe, many, many centuries before Christianity came here, long before it was even a recognised expression of faith. There were indigenous spiritualities and indigenous religions on these islands. At this time of year, as the harvest came to an end, people made preparations for the winter and roughly halfway between the autumn solstice and the the autumn equinox and the winter solstice, I'll get them the right way around. There was a festival known as Samhain. A time when people remembered those who had died. A time when it felt as if the gap between the here and the hereafter was especially thin. A time when people burned bones from the animals they had killed to provide food in the winter. A time when people recognised the potential for fear, a fear of evil, sometimes expressed as ghosts and spirits. And so would lights that use fires and light lanterns and carve grotesque figures into turnips could because pumpkins had long would never reached these shores at that point, to try and drive away the evil. When Christianity came along, it kind of wanted to capture something of that festival, but to rebrand it. Things seem to get rebranded a lot nowadays. So Halloween was the Christianized version of this pre-existing festival of Samhain. All Saints, which is marked on the 1st of November, honours those who officially get the title of saint, at least in the Roman Catholic, Orthodox and more recently Anglican churches. And All Souls, which is marked on the 2nd of November, is an opportunity to remember the ordinary people of faith, the people like you and me, the people that we will be honouring this morning. So today's service is not going to have too much input from me. Rather, we're going to listen to some words from the lectionary readings for all saints and all souls, and then have some space to reflect with some music. I will offer a very short reflection And then we will move into our remembrance and our communion. So let us listen now for the word of God in scripture, beginning with some words from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 25,
4: 6 to 9. The Lord, all powerful, will give a feast for all the people on this mountain. At the feast, there will be the best foods and wines. The meat will be good and tender, the wine pure and clear. For now, there is a veil covering all nations and people. That, this veil is called death. But death will be destroyed forever, and the Lord God will wipe away every tear from every face. In the past, all of his people were sad, but God will take away that sadness from the earth. All this will happen because the Lord said it would. At that time, people will say, Here is our God. He is the one we have been waiting for. He has come to save us. We have been waiting for our God, so we will rejoice and be happy when he saves us. Psalm 24. پادشاه بزرگ زمین و هر در آن است از آن خداوند او اساس و بنیاد زمین را بر دریا ها قرار کسی که پندار و کردارش پاک باشد و از نادرستی و دروغ بپرهیزد خداوند چنین کسی را نجات بخشیده برکت خواهد داد و او را بی گناه اعلام خواهند نمود اینانند کسانی که همیشه در طلب خدای یعقوب می باشند و مشتاق دیدار او هستند ای دروازه ها سرهای خود را بلند کنید ای درهای قدیمی ارشالیم کنار بیستید تا پادشاه جلال وارد شود. این پادشاه جلال کیست؟ خداوند است. خداوند قادر مطلق، خداوند فاتح همه جنگ ها. ای در وازه ها، سرهای خود را بلند کنید. ای درهای قدیمی اورشلی، کنار بیستید. تا پادشاه جلال وارد شود. این پادشاه جلال کیست؟ خداوند است. خداوند قادر مطلق، آرید. Oost, Jalal.
5: Revelation 7 9 to 12. I looked again. I saw a huge crowd, too huge to count. Everyone was there, all nations and tribes, all races and languages. And they were standing dressed in white robes and waving palm branches, standing before the throne and the Lamb, and the heartily singing, salvation to our God on his throne, salvation to the Lamb. All who were standing around the throne, angel, elders, animals, fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, oh yes, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving. Honour and power and strength to our God forever and ever and ever. Oh, yes.
6: The final reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. When Jesus saw the crowds of people there, he went up on a hill and sat down. His followers came and sat next to him. Then Jesus began teaching the people. He said, Great blessings belong to those who know they are spiritually in need. God's kingdom belongs to them. Great blessings belong to those who are sad now. God will comfort them. Great blessings belong to those who are humble. They will be given the land God promised. Great blessings belong to those who want to do right more than anything else. God will fully satisfy them. Great blessings belong to those who show mercy to others. Mercy will be given to them. Great blessings belong to those whose thoughts are pure. They will be with God. Great blessings belong to those who work to bring peace. God will call them his sons and daughters. Great blessings belong to those who suffer persecution for doing what is right. God's kingdom belongs to them.
1: When I was at Vicar School, as I am wont to call it, I came across a little booklet called Preaching at Funerals, whilst I was doing a course on theology of pastoral ministry, which included thinking about what you're doing when you conduct a funeral. How strange, I thought, to have a book called Preaching at Funerals. Well, this week, after I prepared my little reflection, an email arrived in my inbox saying, please would you review a book about preaching at funerals? How strange, I thought. Why would you preach at a funeral? You see, by the time I went to college, I had already attended a lot of funerals. And in those funerals, predominantly in Baptist and URC and Methodist churches, but also in Anglican and very occasionally Catholic churches, our focus was on telling the story of the person we were remembering and seeking hope for our own continuing lives. The idea of a sermon, of preaching at a funeral, had not been part of my experience. And so as I began to think through my own theology of funerals, of what we were about, and of what it was I was entrusted and privileged to speak to, it certainly was not preaching. At least not if preaching meant me talking for 20 minutes, expositing some piece of scripture. My task in a funeral is to offer some words of hope some words that remind us about the God in whom we trust, some words that might offer a crumb of comfort in a very painful, lonely time, a time when we can experience a whole range of emotions, where questions about injustice, where anger at unfairness need sometimes to be heard alongside celebration of lives well lived. The youngest person for whom I conducted a funeral had never lived outside his mother's womb. And the oldest person for whom I've conducted a funeral was 103 years old. And there have been a range in between that. So what kind of words of hope might we find in scripture as you've listened to those readings this morning there will be words that have struck you and i'm not going to suggest for a millisecond anything that i offer is more relevant or more right than those For god speaks to each one of us in our hearts as we need The prophet Isaiah seems to me to preempt much that is written in the book of Revelation about what eternal life might look like. This same image of a banquet where people of all races and nations gather together. But what struck me, especially in the translation that we use today, was a description of death as a veil. For me, that captures something that the ancients of these islands already understood. The distance between here and there is as thin as a veil. And one day that veil will be torn aside. In fact, in one sense as Christians, we believe that has already happened because Jesus has been through death and has Risen again. The power of death ultimately has been destroyed. Even if in the here and now it is still very real and very painful. The revelation image of the multi generational heaven of people gathering around where God is is beautiful. But we aren't there yet. And that's why I think the words that are recorded in the gospel according to Matthew are important. In the here and now, in the mourning, in the grieving, in the sadness, God is there. God is there to bless us and to comfort us, not to deny the reality. Not to say, oh, come along now, just move on, they're safe with the Lord. No. The Jesus we meet wept at the graveside of his friend Lazarus. The Jesus we believe in met a woman grieving over the death of her only son. Parents whose daughter had just died. He knew fine well what death was like us as people. But into that, God offers comfort. Not glib answers, nothing swift, but a God who says, I am for you. I am with you. The God we believe in, the Christ who has defeated death, we meet first and foremost in the Jesus who lived among us as one of us and who himself has experienced the falter of breath and the silence of death.
7: Come together in our praise for others and in our praise for each other. Let us pray. Lord of all hopefulness, Lord of all joy, be there at our waking and give us, we pray, your bliss in our hearts, Lord, at the break of the day. Heavenly Father, as we remember all saints and all souls, We bring to you this morning all those who have gone before us. Those who have nurtured us within our families. Those who have nurtured us in our faith lives. We bring to you those who have gone before us. And those who are with us today. Who have inspired us, taught us, guided us, watched over us. And picked us up when we fall. Encouraging us to keep going, even when we make the same mistakes.
8: Heavenly Father,
7: as we remember all saints and all souls, we bring to you this morning all those who grieve for their loved ones, no longer with us, and for those who, all alone, have no one to grieve for them
8: at the end of their days.
7: We bring to you those who grieve without end, for those who have taken their own life, the enduring hurt of the constant question why, but the answers never come. We bring to you those who grieve, the anguish that they cannot forget the petty squabble that was the last conversation with their partner before a sudden death.
8: We bring to you this morning the teenager
7: quietly opening the birthday card. The card and the message inside, as every year, written more than 10 years ago by the mother he barely remembers. a birthday message for his future that, he, that, he, that she would never see. Heavenly Father, we bring to you this morning all those who have fled their homes, fled their country, never to return. Grieving for family members who remain, who are alive, but who they will never see again. We bring to you this morning the homeless man, ravaged by self-loathing and addiction, lost to his family. They grieve for him, not even knowing if he's alive or not. We bring to you this morning the unpaid carer, provided constant care for the family member, devastated by dementia, grieving for the person he once was. A fleeting smile of recognition is a glimpse all too brief of the loving man he once was. We bring to you this morning the elderly woman, sitting quietly in the middle of the night in the hospital ward, relieved that the suffering is over as she watches her husband's life ebb away and feels guilty for being relieved. She shares a cup of tea and burnt toast with a healthcare assistant, silent communion, as she remembers the good times they shared while trying to banish the memories of regret. Lord of all gentleness, Lord of all calm, whose voice is contentment, whose presence is balm, be there at our sleeping, And give us, we pray, your peace in our hearts, Lord, at the end of the day. Heavenly, my Father, as we remember all saints and all souls, we bring to you our brothers and sisters, BMS World Mission, in the Scottish Baptist Union. And today, from our own church community, we are asked to pray especially for our Sunday school, Bible class, the creche, for
8: Clifford, Ed Christian. Katrina, Jean and Walter. Paul Rico Alien Leo. Rachel Foster.
7: Rachel H. Katrina H. and Ben. Heavenly Father, at this time of all saints and all souls, we remember your son, his sacrifice for us and his resurrection into new life, inspiring us, wiping away the tears, who is with us at our waking and with us at the end of our days and who gives us new light, richer,
8: fuller be, through the love that will not let us go.
7: This we pray. Amen.
1: Very often I create bespoke communion liturgies. It's something I enjoy, but it isn't always the right thing to do. So our communion liturgy this morning will use words that have been used within the Christian church for hundreds of years and words that predate Christianity
8: itself. We begin with some words of scripture. eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms.
1: Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest.
8: The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercy never comes to an end. It is renewed every morning. So great is God's faithfulness. Let us pray.
1: We do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and great
8: mercies.
1: And our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in
8: him and he in us. Amen.
1: The Apostle records I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you.
8: Do this in remembrance of me.
1: In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until
8: he comes. We pray our thanksgiving. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the
1: universe, who brings forth grain from the earth. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the vine. As we break bread, as we drink wine, and as we remember, may we be refreshed and renewed for lives of
8: service. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body, broken for you. Let us eat with thanksgiving and remember.
1: Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for you. Let us drink with thanksgiving and remember.
8: Dying, you destroyed our
1: death. Rising, you give us life. Glory be to you, O Christ. Amen. of peace, who, in Jesus, has overcome the power of death once and for all, and has given us a vision of a renewed earth free from sorrow, pain and death. Bless us with your peace, so that we may be people of peace in a hurting world. Bless us with renewed hope, so that we may be people who encourage others and bless us with love, so that we may love tenderly and fiercely, just as you love us.
8: Amen.